Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, so it. It's like that. I'll see. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed playing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. This is episode 23. It is uh, November 15th. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon. On the show today, we're talking to a young up-and-coming climber, early 20s, named Mason Earl, who has made a reputation for himself as a Really keen crack climber, really good crack climber, and has been getting into some kind of expedition rock climbs. He uh, cut his teeth down there in Indian Creek, and that's where I know him from. Which brings me to another issue that I'd like to talk about in the intro today, and that is uh, a concern that I have, and some of you have it as well, that um, the Norma cast has kind of been a bit regional in the last few months. Nobody complains about it too much, but it's something that I worry about. But uh, as a lot of you are, um, as of late in the last few months, I've been much of a weekend warrior, and I've also been spending my weekends rock climbing because uh, I am a rock climber first and a podcaster, I don't know, second, third, fourth, fifth, something like that. And uh, like I said, most people haven't really complained too much about it. I think you understand, other than you East Coasters have been, you know, a little bit vocal about wanting me to get some love on the East Coast folks, and I would love to do that. And in fact, all your suggestions and critiques and whatnot are definitely noted, and many of them are heartfelt, and many of them are put on the list of things to do. But uh, as I often talk about, this is very much something I'm cobbling together on my own. So if I can cross paths with a lot of those people from elsewhere, then I definitely try to use those encounters to try to get an interview under my belt. A lot of times people aren't really that keen to do it that don't know me that well, although that's kind of changing as well. People have started to hear about this thing and know that it's something that's fun to do in a place you can express kind of some deeper opinions than maybe in your normal written little profile or your online blog or whatever else. However, I just want it noted that I am aware that I spend a lot of time talking about Colorado climbers, a lot of time talking about the trifecta the Black Canyon, Rifle, Indian Creek. And there's a reason for that. It's because I try to combine this with climbing trips, and that's where I've been climbing a lot lately because getting away for the weekend, those places are in striking distance, and I think a lot of you guys can commiserate with that. However, I'm keen to get all sorts of voices, international, East Coast, West Coast, whatever I can find. And actually, I'd love to get some sort of lesser known voices on the uh, podcast. So I'm always looking, I'm always trying. So that's that. I know you'll forgive me. Moving on down the line, I would also like to, uh, once again, as usual, thank you guys for the support, for the listenership. Um, I would also like to uh, really kind of reiterate that the best way to help me out is to tell your friends and get some other folks listening. Any little bit helps. Every person listening helps, and uh, that'd be awesome. So good way to do that also is express your interest by uh, getting on the Facebook page and liking us, me, it, and also going to iTunes and uh, writing down a review. I'm not sure totally how that all works out, but I'm pretty sure that more reviews means more notice. So that's a good thing. There's also the handy help out tab over at the website of normalcast.com. And you can get on there and check out some other ways in which you can help out. So go check that out, and uh, I think that's all I got for you today. So let's go ahead and check out um, an interview I did in the mobile studio while I was in Moab with Mason Earl. All right, well, I'm sitting here in the uh, mobile studio with my friend Mason Earl, who has joined me here in Moab. I've rolled down to find him riding around the streets on a fixie. How'd that go today? Um, I crashed pretty pretty badly. I'm, 
uh, I think it may have hurt my wrist. Yeah, well, fixies aren't for like amateurs, man. I can tell. No, I think they're for hipsters. Yeah, totally, which you're not. Although your mustache might uh, imply that you were, actually. Yeah, I left my razor in Salt Lake. <laughs> That's the only place hair grows. <laughs> it's just yeah. rain that little line. Yeah, pretty much. Your lip. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I've known Mason for uh, a few years now, and actually I was thinking about it. The interesting thing is that I think I knew you from the internet, from actually from... Uh, from Mountain Project before I knew you as a person. And oh, so I was a big fan of yours. Right, thanks man. And so I was C Calouse and he was M Earl, which, you know, I like that. And uh we met I don't know, we were talk I don't know how we actually met in person, but <clears throat> it was a snowy day in Indian Creek. Ah, that's right. We were the only ones there. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking for a while before we realized who each other were in terms of our handles on the uh on the uh, uh, Mountain Project, and all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, M. Earl, right? You're right. that little bastard." Yeah, right. So, no, and actually, the one thing I do remember about it is that, in terms of your presence on there, I mean, you were really involved in the Indian Creek side of things, and and always like just clarifying and putting stuff down, and and I mean, we were never like at odds on a forum or anything like that. You were just a guy who was. One thing I noticed, you were posting hard roots, which. On Mountain Project, like things get filled in kind of slowly, and over the years, it's like the harder routes got filled in quite a bit later. And so I was, I was always seeing him on five twelve routes and 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 that and five thirteens and and uh, and just like clarifying things. So <laughs> I respected your voice on there oh, in that thanks. sense. So, um, but I'd also like as an intro, I have this story I want to tell. I think that I don't know. It sort of has some characteristics to it that I think also apply to you as a climber. So it's sort of illustrative of, of maybe who I think you are. So um, just bear with me. But uh, a few years ago, uh, and I'm going to tell it kind of in the third person. So, But yeah, Mason and I uh, were going to go climb on a route in Indian Creek called uh, the Six Star Crack. It's a really iconic uh, splitter 513 in Indian Creek. It's a second pitch. Um, sits on a prow. And uh, there was a famous wild country ad that had a picture of it. And it's like, you know, a classic perfect splitter. And I had never been on it, but it was sort of on my hit list, and Mason as well hadn't been on it, so we decided to go out there. Now, first thing is is my uh, girlfriend at the time, now ex-girlfriend Katie, came along, and the first thing, the first uh, sort of thing I'd have to say about Mason is that she totally loves you, Mason. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She was like, couldn't say enough about how great you were and what nice. a nice guy you were and everything right. else. You know, I was just like, settle down. So we go up there, and... Uh, Second thing is that you allow me to to try the on-site without any sort of argument and sort of this deference to like the I think the fact that like I'd been climbing there longer and so I was the guy like and I kind of felt that and I was like that's really cool like he's going to let me give it the first try and I think I just wanted to see you fall on it so then there would be less pressure. <laughs> All right. Well, that anyway, you so, feel better though. Uh, so I I get up and and climb on it and and I climb it like really slowly, old school, like you know, putting my hands in, my feet in, making the moves, putting the gear in. You You're know? really smooth. Really, really awesomely smooth. Right up until I fell off. <laughs> so I failed I, on the onside attempt and and, uh, and came down and then we switched over and then Mason like you know fought flurrying hands feet feet out of the crack shaking like a leaf on a tree yeah. i think you you once said yes karate chopping the crack and yeah, it was awful and you know but let me tell you what he sent the thing and uh you know flashed it barely but but shameful bar yeah but shameful barely is flash. good enough and that was the thing i remember is he is 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 comes down and <clears throat> he t tells me like oh man i wish i could climb it like you climbed it you know, and I'm like, what the what the fuck are you talking about, dude? I fell off. He's like, yeah, but you were so smooth. And I'm like, yeah, but the smooth didn't work. <laughs> but you insisted even later that day, like, oh yeah, but it was it was looked way better. It looked way better when you climbed it. And uh, I thought that was like, I mean, foolish for one thing, but it also spoke of kind of like, uh, yeah, your dedication to kind of like the style in which you climb. Um, and even though I'm obviously you're really proud that you sent that thing. I always had a really bad feeling though, after that route, like I was Why? glad I did it, <laughs> but it's just so ugly. No, I really sort of had a bad taste in my mouth. Like, huh? 
if, if I kind of forgot about that whole right. thing, but afterwards I remember thinking like, uh, I mean, I did it, but gosh, it was just so ugly. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I think that's, I think that says a lot about the kind of climber you are. So, um, but let's go back. Uh, so you grew up where? <clears throat> um, I grew up in Massachusetts uh-huh. in a, a suburb called Concord, just outside of Boston. And uh, how'd you get into climbing? Uh, a friend of my dad's just took my mother and I out one day and, uh, yeah, just climbed. And then we started climbing in the gym, you know, uh-huh. pretty basic uh, uh, getting into climbing story, I think. So what did your, what was that first day like? Like when you and your mom went out? Oh, I was sold instantly. I was probably really? 10 years old. It was like 14 years ago or so. But uh, we didn't have a harness small enough for me. So I just uh, had like a, you know, like a a Swiss seat, kind of like a glorified Swami belt and um, was lapping up these five sevens barefoot and I was just so psyched. Right on. Yeah, that was good. Where, what kind of, like little top rope cliffs? Yep. Yeah, Crow Hill, mm-hmm. which I've since gone back to and there's all sorts of heinous uh, like 512X routes. Really? Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> funny. a cool little spot. Yeah, it's funny how those little... Backwater areas, sometimes they, like, squeeze all the life out, you know, whatever they can get out of them, they, they oh, yeah. squeeze it out. Yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of, like, Tim Kempel, heinous ah, right. uh, run out, free solos and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like a little mini uh, gritstone kind of crack. Yeah, actually, the rock is really similar. It's sort of like this weathered schist there, I think. Mm-hmm. It's I th- almost like I gritstone. think, too, like, the Northeast still has the... I think a legacy, as much a legacy of the British climbers as anywhere left in the country. Yeah, because it's... The Northeast is sort of the only uh, uh, climbing epicenter that r- really doesn't have that much rock. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere out in the West, if you're a climber, you have so much rock to climb on. If you're right. from Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something, it's pretty limited. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you hit one of those cliffs and just, you know, grid bolted it, it would, I think, lose its, you know, spice <clears throat> and interest really, really quickly. Yeah, you'd be robbing a lot of people of... Uh, you know, adventure, I think. Right, right. So, so yeah, so you're you're uh, learning to climb when you're about 10 and you're starting to climb in the gym. So, you know, you're you're hooked on it. And uh, let me guess, you, you end up coming to college out here? Is, was that sort of a move to become um, sort of a climber or was that yeah. something else in your head? Well, what, actually, what happened I was in between a, there? I was more obsessed with skiing in high school. So I came out to Colorado because that's, that's where you went. If you're from Massachusetts, you went to Colorado because that was the West. Right. Um, so I went out there for skiing, um, but then quickly started climbing in Indian uh-huh. Creek because I was in Durango and just became obsessed. Right. So you were like a ski racer, that sort of thing, or just into, into free skiing? No, just free skiing, you uh-huh. know, like jumps and stuff. And oh, okay. That, that stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> I still am, though. Right. I've got a season pass this year. I'm stoked. Right on. So you would have, uh, yeah, so you're you're... Your 17-year-old self wouldn't have called that stupid shit. No, but I, I recognized that I wasn't that good at it. Oh, okay. I, I still had a total blast at right. it. Um, but I knew you know, I, uh, if I kept pursuing it that I wouldn't really be able to take uh-huh. it that far, uh-huh. which is fine. you know. Right. It doesn't make it any less fun. So you turned up in, uh, into, in, at Fort Lewis in, in Fort Durango. Leisure. Fort Leisure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I loved it there. Right. I still... Uh, well, I guess I I uh, got kicked out technically because my GPA dropped below a a point. Uh, I know a yeah two point seven or something. Oh, so I'd like it. I'd like a two or something, and that wasn't enough to <laughs> stay enrolled. Really, that seems like a reasonable middle Maybe sort it was of ground. One point seven. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Right. I mean, not yeah. It wasn't good. Right. I don't want to talk about school. I didn't okay. like it very much, right. and you know, it wasn't very interesting to me. And mm-hmm. I I just liked rock climbing a lot more, so that's uh-huh. what I did. So c- coming uh, coming out to Colorado, you, you, you're climbing, and uh, I think at least initially when I sort of started hearing about you or, or noticed you on the Mountain Project, obviously it had to do with Indian Creek, and and when I met you, that was kind of your focus. So uh, what was it? I mean, you came from the Northeast. I guess there's trad climbing up there, but what is it about the crack climbing that just kind of drew you in? Well, I think growing up as a climber in the Northeast, um, you open any climbing magazine, like especially like 10 years ago, 
like maybe not so much now, but 10 years ago, it was like crack climbing. Right. It was sick. You know, like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, crack climbing was sick. Crack right. climbing is not that sick anymore, I guess. But so like you open up any magazine and you see some guy climbing some incredible crack on mm-hmm. El Cap or in mm-hmm. Indian Creek. And so I always had it in my mind that that's what climbing was all about. Right. Even though New England has all this great climbing, Romney, uh, Conway and stuff. That stuff didn't get me that excited. I was like, oh, well, that's that's climbing that I have around home. That's not like what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So when I came out west, I went to Indian Creek the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd never even seen sandstone in my life. Yeah, I was just so impressed with the rock, with the climbing. And, yeah, I was obsessed about crack climbing. Right. Still am. <laughs> uh-huh. So you ended up uh, – ended up- Dropping out of out of Fort Lewis or getting kicked out, as you said. So well, I decided to drop out before okay. they kicked me out. Okay, that's probably a good call. So, actually, yeah. So I win. In terms of your upbringing and in terms of your family, like how did uh, how did your parents deal with that? Were they all right with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I sort of got in, uh, into climbing with them in the first place. My dad was my partner in high school because no one else in Concord, Massachusetts, really rock climbed. Right. I mean, I'd go out with friends, but. Uh, they weren't, you know, weren't leading and stuff like right. I was. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I think uh, they're just excited to see me successful with something. You know, right. I was like getting really good at uh, climbing really quickly. Mm-hmm. And to them, I think that was that was cool to see. Mm-hmm. So they were psyched. And yeah, when I told them I wanted to take a year off, um, yeah, they were fully supportive. Right on. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I kind of have the impression of you that, you know, you're a really smart guy. And, you know, when you talk about like Fort Lewis not working out for you or college, not, you know, it's like I see that as some some sort of really conscious decision you made that had to do with sort of wanting to be a rock climber. But am I wrong on that? Uh, I mean, I was trying right. at Fort Leisure. Okay. But, yeah, it's funny. I, I was never able to succeed at school. And I think it's because my mind just... With just thought it was complete bullshit, so it never really allowed me to fully immerse immerse myself. So in you go? Are you talking even back like through high school and all that sort of thing? Or yeah, every day I spent in school in my life. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's interesting because again, I mean, uh, you sort of joked about when I asked you to do this podcast, you made sort of a joke about whether or not you could, you know, speak intelligently or whatever else. But <laughs> I've always found you to be quite well spoken. So hmm, I mean, I was a teacher. Um, I was a high school teacher, and so English teacher, right? Yeah, an English teacher. So you know, not that. Not that we can put you into sort of a mold or a stereotype, but there certainly was kids in my past that, yeah, it's like whatever we were doing to try to educate them just wasn't wasn't hitting the mark. Oh, and, man, you just could not have gotten to me. Right. You just couldn't have. Yeah. And, and If it had anything to do with the alphabet or, n- like, numbers, it just it was futile. That's pretty much everything, Which is Mason. fine, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Let's see, alphabet. I did well in shop. Oh, nice. You know, like stuff with right, wood. I love right. building stuff. So that was well, good. that's cool. So so maybe, yeah, I guess maybe your parents were psyched or relieved or whatever that here's this thing that this kid is sort of stoked on and, and yeah. we're going to support him that way. I don't think they were ever too worried about me. I mean, growing up, you know, I may have done horribly in school, but you know, I was always doing something. I was right. always... Uh, productive sure. in some way. You right, know? you weren't an asshole. Even if it was just like building gi- a giant catapult or something. It's right, the, like... the trebuchet or the catapult, hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to Indian Creek. You had a crew out of, out of Fort Lewis that were was going out there. Really good crew, all yeah. All the time. And Yeah, it was sort of a, a group of us that had sort of uh, started climbing at the creek at the same time. Uh, yeah, when I, when I first got to Fort Lewis, I was like, oh, I really want to go to the creek. And I was like asking everyone in my dorm, uh, do you want to go rock climbing this weekend? They're like, no, dude. We're gonna be we're gonna be hanging out at the 420 tree or whatever. Right. You know, God, it's just ugh, I'm not gonna start talking about the people I went to school with at Fort Lewis. I had a lot of good friends there, but all anyone wanted to do was smoke weed. But I did end up finding like a a good crew, and we started going out to the creek, mm-hmm. and so that was rad. And I mean, we were going out there every weekend, and then I started going out there on like Thursdays and stuff because I. No school on Thursday. Right. I was just burning through tanks of gas. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> to go That's climb fine. a pitch. Did you have a credit card? <clears throat> nope. No? No, I've only just gotten a credit card, and I it's <laughs> it's been awful. Right. Yeah, I just, I'm going to lock it away now. Well, here's the thing is that, like, you know, you were just talking about how crack climbing was sort of this big thing and then sort of disappeared, but there was a lot, you know, I, 
I talk about on the show about Indian Creek all the time. Which no, oh, yeah. What are you going to do about it? So, so, someone actually just emailed me. And so said, many people hate on the creek. Yeah. Well, and they they said, oh, we talk about the same places. What about Rifle, dude? Yeah, exactly. There's three. <laughs> the the pan the, uh, the the trifecta, which is uh, Indian Creek, Rifle, and the Black Canyon. But anyway, <laughs> I haven't um, even climbed at either of those two other. Places. This just ha- this is just coincidental that I happen to get Mason in here who happens to have. You know, pretty much like kind of started his hard climbing career down there in the creek. That's all. It's just a coincidence. But anyway, we're back to that. But you know, it struck me, and one of the one of the things I was excited about when I met you, and you sort of let this old guy kind of hang around the picnic table that you guys were hanging around, is that there had, in my sort of opinion, been this kind of lull in the focus on the on the older hard cracks and there'd been a lot of development where people had been kind of starting to sort of semi face climb down there add some bolts between seams and things like that but there seemed to be like less and less interest in for a little while there in these hard cracks and i was in the same boat of like you know i had done this old school thing where i'd worked up through the grades and i had arrived there unlike you who just arrived there Without, I don't know. No, just when I first came to, there, the first day I climbed right. at the creek, I had never climbed five eleven. Oh right. Mm-hmm. And then, how long was it till that happened? Uh, then minutes? was it minutes or hours? Well, I had this. <laughs> I had this great month where every weekend I went there. I climbed a new number grade. Oh right on. Yeah, it was sweet. So four weeks. Wow. Oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> yeah, but none in the in the first eight years of climbing, I didn't climb anything harder than about five right. five nine. Right. I had this thing where each decade I climbed a grade harder. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so I, I, I was in this boat too of like wanting to climb on harder routes and, and not always having people that psyched to go out and find the, the hard cracks. And uh, so I was really excited to meet you and, and I was glad we ended up climbing together. Is there any way you can sort of put into words like what it is that like just inspired you down there? What it is about that place or those climbs or? or- yeah, you know, I think. Uh, with the climbing in Indian Creek, it's the same reason anyone gets really into it. It's just that uh, how obvious the the roots are down there, um, and there's something ab- about uh, climbing up a face that's so blank, you know, and it doesn't have any holds on it. Right. It's just this parallel crack, mm-hmm. and you know, I, jamming is so much fun. Like everybody loves to jam. If some people are shit at it, but if you like, once you learn how to hand jam and you know, get your fingers in there. It's so much fun because it, it sort of becomes easy and it's just this mindless sort of uh, building pump. Uh-huh. The current trend for a lot of the harder routes in Indian Creek now where uh, routes protected by tiny little thin gear and it's like weird little laybacking and technical, sporty. Uh, and that's cool. And I've always had a lot of respect for those lines. But at the end of the day, like I still just want to, you know, just want to climb the cracks. Right. <laughs> And you've also actually uh, kind of have a penchant for the off-withs nowadays as well. Yeah. Or always have. It's funny. Like, I don't really think of myself as an off-with climber because I feel like I'm still so shit at it. Like, I mean, I just spent a week in Vitavu and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm still getting shut down on 5.11s there. But, yeah, I don't, yeah, I put up one hard off-with in the creek. Wasn't there another two? Uh, I don't think so. No. All right. Oh yeah, no, yeah, actually, yeah, there, there, there are two. There's they're the one... both really flared roofs. Right. They both look like butt cracks. Right. And one it... of them's called the Incredible Butt Crack. Right. Which one is the one like uh, right along the road, come driving in? Yeah, that's the Price of Evil. Okay, that's yeah, the that that evil. one's hard. Yeah. yeah. Right. Those Brits, they came and uh, they were asking me beta for it because I'd graded it thirteen minus, and I was like, oh shit, they're gonna come and on site it and my reputation's going to be ruined. But <laughs> Your so I, stellar reputation. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, gave them, I gave them directions to it, and they went and did it. And it gave them a lot of trouble. Like, um, they didn't on-site it. You know, it took uh-huh. them like a day or two. Right, and you're talking about the wide boys. What are those the, guys' names? Uh, Tom and Pete. Right, the you, British. I actually had a chance to climb with them. They're, they're awesome. British guys that stormed in uh, last, or this year, or, or was it in the spring, or was it last year? It was last fall, yeah. Yeah, they last fall. and took and, eight shit on every single hard off with right on the western united states and then much. put up the century crack and then put up the hardest one yeah right. it, was, it was impressive so so you you breathe a sigh of relief that they had a little trouble on your on your route so i yeah i didn't mind if they were going to do it second try i just didn't want them to on-site it because it took me 17 tries 
<laughs> well, it's a weird because I've been, you know, that that's actually because of those guys in a lot of ways. This last year has been a lot about off with. So you, you read about them all the time, and yeah, and yeah, and I see like there's a 13C off with, and then there's a 13D off with, and there's a 13B off with, and I'm like, how, do you how the hell do you know the difference between the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's? I mean, it's the same as sport climbing. You know, when you've climbed enough 12 A's and enough 12 B's and enough 12 C's, you know the difference between them. And I mean, but there's only, there's like, only like a handful of people right. <laughs> in the United States that can tell the difference. And then those two dudes in England. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the people who can tell the difference between a 15 B and a 15 C. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Only there's like, this is like smaller group maybe. Yeah. Because no one wants to do it. Right. And that's probably why I want to do it. Yeah. Because it, you know, it's like fringe. They kind of, well, actually, I've always <laughs> said that they kind of remind me of cavers, the off with people. Jesus, Be- dude. I'm sorry, and I, that, I know. I, I, I hope I'm going to ask you to. I'm going to respectfully ask you to retract that statement. <laughs> All right. Well, they're cooler than cavers, but <laughs> the reason is is because like the cavers like just live for that like. That, that that they're this weird little subculture, and I and I think in that regard, yeah, the cavers are they off with. There's definitely it's it's something that they're. I think there's a small amount of pride that goes with right, like uh, focusing on off with. Well, because everybody else thinks it's so grim and brutal and mm-hmm. thuggish, and I think well, you know that's what attracted me to it was that you know here I am in Indian Creek, and I you know I can climb five twelve like no problem, like I can on site it most of the time. And then I get on a 5.11 off with, and I cannot get up it. To me, that was being challenged. You know, that was that was the rock, you know, setting this challenge for me. And that, I thought that was really cool. And so, you know, it took a lot of work to sort of understand the techniques and how to make upward progress on that stuff. Well, I've always said, too, it's, it's counterintuitive because the sort of general attitude towards off withing is it's like horribly thuggish and and brutal and 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 you just kind of like have to grunt and scream and but the the truth is and and this has been revealed by all these kind of latest videos and things of people climbing hard off with is that it's a it's probably like the most technique intensive type of crack climbing that there is yeah i fully agree you know and to watch uh, i'd almost say it's the most uh technique intensive climbing there is right i mean there's a lot of technique involved with say some route that um adam andre's climbing on but it's it's so uh two-dimensional you know right off with even if it's just a straight up vertical off with it's still going to be three-dimensional because you know there's so many different variations of you know how you're camming your feet which way you're stacking which hand is in a fist which hand is hand jamming well and it's also like inside of your knee outside of your knee it, inside of your thigh outside of your thigh like mm-hmm. you know feet crossed together or against each other i mean there's just so many variations of and and i think or not peeking right <laughs> shitting yourself or not shitting yourself <laughs> but yeah and you know it's like i've also kind of come to realize that that whole like trying so mm-hmm. hard that you want to barf is at least on 511 is definitely not going to get you anywhere, you know. I've watched not acceptable. Our friend Andreas just like so effortlessly climb up something that I got just got bouted on. Yeah, that sick. it's embarrassing. And he's, he's a good off with climber. Yeah, but it's just so it's effortless, and and that kind of sounds cliche, but you know, to watch him climb, he's literally using very little effort, and I'm up there just like trying to pry the thing open so I can climb into it, you know, is what it feels like half the time. Double Gaston your way up. Exactly. So (laughs) I still do that in the creek. Well, it's a a decent technique. So we're going to kind of go chronologically here to catch us up, but I've been stuck down there for decades and, (laughs) you know, and honestly, I just started to notice you weren't there anymore as much and uh no i I still make it down yeah (laughs) you just hide out a little bit i put up a route uh lat this spring yeah yeah i know sick new route i know tell us about it the second meat wall yeah oh it's not like cutting edge hard or anything it's just really nice splitter hey you should go do it bacon in the sun bacon in the sun Mm -hmm. which side's it on it's the top of the trail like really middle of the cliff really you know carnivore yeah like the overhanging off with Uh uh-huh uh it's this second and third pitch splitter just to the right of that. Ah, that's not the one I was thinking of. Oh, right on. No, it's really good. That's awesome. it's sweet. Yeah. Well, anyway, but moving on. So 
you get this reputation, whether you like it or not, of the guy who's just like the young guy who's firing up the cracks. And and the analogy I also make there is that a lot of people, you know, in the in the 90s or, or early aughts were talking about how the Euros couldn't come over and crack climb. And it was like this badge of honor that that Americans had. And 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 that was pretty much blown out of the water by uh, by the Hubers to begin with. But now. I mean, it's pretty typical for a really good European climber to, yeah, he spends, you know, a week or two maybe getting bouted in the creek, but then a lot of them just- Then he just shits on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you fit that mold in that there's always been this attitude that you have to put your time in in the creek and like learn and work your way up through the grades. And, you know, you obviously did that to a certain extent and it's kind of a compressed mode, but it was- Part of the, my my kind of like mythologizing of you before I met you was just like wow this this kid is like just crapping on this idea that you have to be this like seasoned Indian Creek climber to climb on these hard cracks, and I think that's part of why they'd laid dormant. And I was a little bit sort of guilty of that as well of like well I'm not ready to go try those yet, so I'm going <laughs> to leave them there. You know the tricks are for kids and the optimator and and the the six star cracks and you know these legendary hard cracks and so I was like I'm waiting I'm waiting I'm waiting and in a lot of ways I mean it was inspiring to me to be like well that's stupid like I should just I can go climb do it these. tomorrow yeah exactly I mean yeah. nothing's gonna stop me so um, but you you gain this reputation and and at what point did you uh, start to think about like uh, at least for a while like living this life as a climber. Uh- like when I first thought, like, oh man, maybe I could get some free shoes. Yeah, free shoes so and, a, and a couple cams, or you know, <laughs> or even a paycheck. Uh, not until recently, really. Right. I I had this one season in Indian Creek where I where I kind of did like most of all of like the hard classics, and that sort of really built my confidence up. And I'm like, all right, now I'm going to go to Yosemite and try to free El Cap. Right, right, right. Let's get into that. Oh, and so I went to Yosemite. I'd already spent uh, one season in Yosemite. I'd like climbed El Cap, like aid climbing. And I was so psyched. And it was still one of my greatest, greatest adventures I've ever been on. Um, but so, yeah, the second season I went to Yosemite, I'd done all these hard cracks in Indian Creek. And something, all right, yeah, I'm going to free El Cap, Salathe. What's stopping me? I mean, I can, it's, the crux pitch is like a, you know, a 13B crack. Like I can do it. Right. And I got so slaughtered. It was just, it was a, <laughs> really? it was an execution. It was disgusting. Huh. I mean, I barely even got to the top of El Cap. Right. I, I was just proud that I even got to the top. I was, so we ran out of, ran out of water. Uh, well, the, the first pitch I couldn't do was the monster. So the monster off with, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't even get to the top of it. I couldn't aid up it because the cam, the number six was so over cammed. I was scared to pull on it. Right, you have to climb up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've done that pitch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got absolutely <laughs> decimated on that. And so I like take because I'm. Oh, I climbed to exhaustion until I just slid down onto my daisy chain onto my cam because I was just walking it above me, and I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. But I'll just aid to the top. And I couldn't aid to the top, so then I lowered off this fixed cam, and I was, like, crying. I was climbing with these two burly British dudes who I'd roped into uh, climbing uh, climbing the route with me. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, dudes, come with me. Yeah, It'll I'm the free this We'll shit. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've climbed El Cap before. It's going to be sick. So let me – actually, I forgot to put this in perspective. You're 24 now. Mm-hmm. How old were you at this point? Do you remember? About? Uh, yeah, I was 19 probably. Okay, so you're only 19 years old. All right. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of uh, frame maybe the sort of arrogant attitude or the hubris that you might have had yeah. going into that. So you know, It ended up being a really good experience because I realized exactly what it was going uh, to take to free climb El Cap. Uh, yeah, and so you know, the next time I went back up there, I was prepared and was able to do it. I mean, I didn't do the South Day the next time, but it was really funny when, um, when I was that – uh, time I climbed South and got slaughtered. Um, when I was about to go up it, uh, it was the first time I'd, I met Nico, Belgian Nico, Favris. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, yes, we're looking at this new route on the right <laughs> side. I'm like, oh, man, that's so cool. This guy's so cool. Oh, my God. He is pretty cool. He's the coolest. And um, he's like, uh, what are your plans? 
And I'm like, oh, I'm going to free the Salate. He's like, oh, wow, well, this is this is pretty badass. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to go hike up to the top of El Cap and I'm going to rappel in and like work the crux pitch, you know, cause that's what everyone does. They mm-hmm. like rappel into the top of El Cap and work the crux pitches. And Nico looks at me with this stern face. He's like, uh, Mason, no, no, no. I do not think this is the way to do it. I do not think this is the best way. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, Oh shit. Oh, what's the best way? He's like, Oh, you just go up there with a couple extra days, food and water, uh, hang out, uh, Try the beach, do some jamming, red point it, and go to the top from the ground. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. Oh, ground up. All right, cool. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Clearly. And, and so then I got Duh. slaughtered. But right. yeah, I'm still, that uh, encounter is really where a lot of my, or well, Nico, I guess, and Sean, it's like where a lot of my ethics, if you Sean can call Sean Villanueva. Him. Sean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's his last Driscoll. Name? Villanueva, O'Driscoll, Villanueva, O'Driscoll, O'Driscoll, Villanueva. Jesus, he's, whatever. He's a mix of like a hundred different nationalities. Right. So yeah, Sean, Belgian Sean. And so those guys are never rapping anything. They're always going from the ground. Mm-hmm. And so I really, at that point in my life, I was like, wow, that's that's sick. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. And it's never really worked out that well for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. That guy's got sort of really a certain badass. something where you're just like, you want to get on his wavelength, yeah. on his ride, whatever he's up to. Uh-huh. So did you ever get to the, even trying to free that, the headwall pitch? Oh, well, it gets worse, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> so we, we get up to the boulder problem pitch, uh-huh. the Hoover boulder problem, and it's baking in the sun and my hands are all cracked and bleeding because we we're dehydrated because we didn't bring enough water. Well, actually, our water all leaked because uh, one of our water bottles broke. Our five-gallon water bottle we broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought broke. Talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. So we get up to the boulder problem, and it's baking in the sun. I'm like, oh, Christ. I'm just going to aid through this. We need to get to the top or else we're going we're, you know, to dry out Die. up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's sort of what you think when you're on El Cap. Right. Like, oh, we're going to – I just know we're going to die. I'm sure of it. <laughs> that's just kind of how you think on a big wall. So I'm aiding up this thing, and I'm about probably five feet from the <clears throat> top of the pitch, and I'd been back cleaning for a while because um, I, you know, my last piece was clipped to the final bolt of the boulder problem. Yeah, I'm just back cleaning, and I'm about to put in an extra cam and start leaving gear. And I put this bomber cam in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to clip it. And I look at the cam, I'm like, oh, wait, no, that doesn't quite fit. So I take it out, and I'm about to put another one in. And the uh, the little finger-sized piece I'm hanging on just goes, Bam! And then, I, and then I fall for like 50 feet Jesus. on the boulder problem, aid, aid climbing, at least 50 feet. I mean, I felt almost like within isn't 20 it, feet of the blade. Isn't it all like ledgy in there? It's all ledges and corners. And I just somehow managed to, you know, pinball down there like a feather and only I sustained this one big scrape on my arm. But other than that, I was, I was fine. And I, I told a uh, British homeboy, I was like, oh man, you better you better finish this pitch. And he's like, yeah, all right. And so he, <laughs> he finished the pitch. But then I kept leading. Right. right. All right. It was well, cool. Bad. Yeah, actually, it was kind of funny. My Swedish friend, Petter, was at the belay I was trying to get to. Who I, I, Petter, I've since climbed with a ton. He's this badass crack climber. And I'm about to get to the belay, and I'm looking at him. And he's like... Yes, you're doing well. I'm like, oh, thanks. And then the, <laughs> then the, the piece explodes, and I yell, fuck, for as loud and as long as my lungs allowed me to. He's looking, he's just watching this happen. He's receding in your eyesight. And I was, I was so ashamed <laughs> that I'd, like, screamed so loud. You should be. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. You should be ashamed you fell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God, it was so bad. Oh, man. But you continued on. Good job. Yeah, we continued on. And All right, have you ever had a look at the head wall as a free climber since then? That same trip, I did end up wrapping into it mm-hmm. well, one day mm-hmm. with a uh, friend, Will, um, but I haven't been back to it right since. On. I think if I went back to it, I would try to do it from the ground. Sure. Now, yeah. yeah. I think that's. A, I think that is not- I just don't have the patience to go up there and like mini track around and dick around. No, no, I agree, but I think it's, I mean, you can't just let that go. No, yeah, I know it's like the most bitching pitch on the, yeah, the whole wall, and absolutely. I still haven't gone back to it. Yeah, it's kind so, of shameful. So tell me about trying to free the heart root. 
Oh, Christ. Yeah, that, that's that's like the one rock climb that uh, eats away at me when I'm like going to sleep, you know? Uh-huh. The problem with that route is we've never really gotten to try it. Mm-hmm. We had like this great opportunity this spring, but I kind of like flaked out and like my finger was hurting, so well, I didn't t- want to go. Tell me about what it is. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's not even really like a new free route per se. It's it's only like a variation to Golden Gate, really. Okay, so on El Cap. Yeah, it's on El Cap. It right. it's climbs. You start up Salathe and then you break off into this wild uh, overhanging terrain. It's incredible route. Right. If you look at El Cap, I mean, there's the heart feature, which is the left of the nose, really mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. The one and of the you climb what pitches. part of it? Well, you climb right out the left side of the heart. The left. There's yeah, a big okay. roof right. on top of the heart. And, there's this incredible finger crack that comes right off the roof. Uh-huh. It's an awesome pitch. We gave it a really strong uh, red point effort uh, like two years ago, two uh-huh. springs ago, or two falls ago, I guess, and uh, freed everything except for 15 feet, which was wet. And it's uh-huh. also like the crux 15 feet. It's like right. this overhanging or ret that we slammed a couple of bolts in. And um, yeah, we've never gotten to try that or from the ground when it's dry it's always seeping in the spring, so it's kind of problematic. Is anybody else trying it? I don't think so. No. It fucking better not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't leave it forever. No, not forever. Right. Uh, but no one really, I don't think anyone really had their eye on it too much. I mean, I wouldn't be too put off really if someone went right. it. I mean, we've you know, been kind of jerking off for like the past three years. We haven't right. really been on it, so right. it's kind of our fault, I guess. So who's we? Um, Brad Gobright and I, mm-hmm. Brad, is, I've climbed a lot with on El Cap. Right. He's just recovering from a break in his ankle, right? Yeah. He's had a string of bad luck yeah. the past couple of years. Keeps breaking his feet, bouldering. Yeah. Poor bastard. Stay off the bouldering, son. Oh, Christ, I know. Anyway. So, well, we got on this whole thing. You, you, you started doing your Nico impression, which was cracking me up because it was <laughs> spot on perfect. I almost wanted you to, I almost wanted to follow you out the door. Like, I'm in. I'm oh, with cool. you. Yeah. The guy's so psyched and. Uh, yeah, we are looking at the future. <laughs> Isn't that what he told you at Verdon? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic, Nico. Yeah, you, when I told you that, you were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We are looking at the future, yes. Yeah, and the Verdon. Uh, yeah, I didn't hang out and drink wine with those guys, which is, I think, one of the greater mistakes well, the last out. couple of years. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, so you're, you're, again, you're sort of looking at transitioning into maybe sort of a, a eking out an existence as, as, I don't even want to go as far as to say professional climber because I don't yeah, know if anybody's I've always like hated the term professional climber. Cause that's so like what climbing's not about, you know? Right. But I mean, isn't it just about <laughs> trying to find a way to climb full time? Yeah. 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 At the same time, it's like, you know, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to make some sort of living at it so that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Not so much even make a living at it. I just want to be able to climb, you know, it's my number one passion. If I could do it all the time, that's great. Sure. Well, and and to be to be proficient at a level that you want to be at, that's that's what you got to do. But you know, you're in this. I mean, I've watched. You know, I'm a historian as much as anything with climbing, and you're in this place, obviously, where it's like, you know, you are like you're just joking. Yeah, I got some free shoes, and I got this and that. But you know, I don't think the public understands the sort of greater climbing public, like what it actually means to be a professional climber and there's all sorts of levels and most of it's just, you know, it's not like you're making house payments and like car payments and insurance. And it's, no, my mom still pays my car insurance. <laughs> What's your mom's name? Uh, Mim. Mim. Yeah. She's very, very charitable. Right on. A little shout out to Mim. And way my cell phone bill. Right on. Yeah. Wow. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, I mean, where are you at with that? You're wor- you're working for, Eddie Bauer. Eddie Bauer. First Ascent. Mm-hmm. First Ascent. Yeah. yeah, Black Diamond uh, just recently started working with them a little bit, and then 510 okay. has, has been hooking it up fat right for the past couple of years. Awesome. So it's, it's allowing you to climb full-time mm-hmm. and to do the occasional expedition. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I was kind of looking online a little bit in per- preparation for this, and, and um, you went down to Venezuela? Yeah, last winter. Last winter, that was one of your absolute epic. Yeah, was, was that great. one of your first kind of international <laughs> wild expeditions? I mean, I know you've you've climbed in Europe uh, um, with, your, with I, your family and such, but George, who was with uh, with us on the Venezuela expedition, him and I and our friend Pete Rhodes did a 
a major expedition to Torres del Paine okay. in 2010, I think. Uh-huh. That was like the first big expedition. And we spent oh, like 10 days sure, sure, yeah. festering on this on this Right, wall I forgot all about that. Yeah, like you our, showed me the videos from that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this awful storm came in and uh, tacoed one of our portal edges. Yeah. It was awful, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it was great. We, you know, we got to climb half of a bitch in new route. But, um, yeah, yeah. There, you guys have videos online about that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make sure and post them on the website. Cause yeah, now yeah. it's just when you talked about it, I forgot. Yeah. You're climbing that awesome, like five twelve crack. Oh yeah. Crack it's incredible. In incredible that video. Route. Yeah. That's the other route that keeps me up at night. Oh I wow. Think, oh man. What was the next pitch? Like, what was the summit? Like, were well, you going to ever go back? I don't think so. Yeah. It's tough to, you, you can't go back to that sort of thing. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe as I get older, I'll. It'll keep me up more. So, what was the Venezuela trip like? Venezuela was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we climbed this massive new route, which we're pretty sure you know it's probably the steepest route in the world. Mm-hmm. It's probably the steepest wall in the world. The Belgians, Nick and Sean and uh, Stefan and Jean Louis, they ended up a couple weeks later, or actually a week later, put up a route just to the right of us. But I, I think our route's a little steeper. <laughs> so we're still saying our route's the steepest in the world. I mean, I, who'd you go down there with? With um, uh, George Ulrich, who's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, his friend Sam, who else I also knew from the Valley, um, Sam Farnsworth, and then uh, my buddy Seba Van He, n- another Belgian dude. Right on. He, he's he was like 19 years old on the trip. Isn't, maybe the, isn't 20. Bel- Belgium like the flattest country in the world or something? Yeah. But they're they're like so psyched, right? Seba, yeah, he's like nineteen, so stoked. He was out there on like all the hard free leads, taking forty footers on awful gear, cut you know like core shotting ropes and stuff. I mean, in the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, right? Like you're gonna die <clears throat> if you get like even remotely hurt. With yeah, without a doubt, right? Because it's a we, jungle. In it's addition. a jungle. Yeah. We're like three days away from the nearest Indian village. Um, are the assholes, uh, the, uh, the cell phone, uh, the satellite phone carrier we had, they cut our service off after like 10 days. No, that was not true. <laughs> I, I was so pissed. Oh my God. I'm still so pissed about that. So yeah, we were completely cut off, you know, which is fine. You know, we were being pretty conservative out there. Right. Well, yeah. 40 out footers on the onto, onto, uh. Seba was going yeah. for it. I was being conservative. I think <laughs> I, I felt like I was being a complete pussy on that trip, you know, which is you know, ended up being all right. I guess right. we got to the top, but yeah, that uh, the route was incredible. Um, we only uh, managed to free the first half of it because at that point we'd already been on the wall for about a week, mm-hmm. and you know we were running out of supplies and stuff. And yeah, it ended up being some crazy uh, aid climbing up at the top of the wall, uh, some more forty footers, and uh, yeah, Venezuela is just incredible. I mean, it's just the lost world. Right. You know? you got up. We got up to the top of the Tepui. Right as the sun was setting and we were walking around up there and it was the densest, thickest jungle you could imagine. Uh-huh. You couldn't even – it was so thick you were walking about 20 feet above the ground. Right. Just wading through bushes and shit and mosquitoes. And we had been up there for about five minutes and um, it was so cool. The Belgians topped out their route like two hours before us, 300 feet to the left. Right. They'd climbed an easier route, like you know, went free at like twelve, five, twelve, something, and um, we were on either side of this waterfall. Um, and so when we were on top, we were on either side of this river, and we were yelling over at each other, like, "Yeah, all right, sweet." And then this giant, I think it was like a, a pterodactyl or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a vampire bat or some giant fruit bat. Right, it had wings as big as my arms started like flapping around us making these awful noises i don't even remember what the noises were but it was awful it was really creepy and so we bailed Jeez. after only being up there for about you know 20 minutes then so is repelling. there is there like a, a way up there or is it are you guys oh, no. like among the few humans have been up there i i think we that section of tepui that we were on we were the Without a doubt, we were the first humans there. Because mm-hmm. not only are we up on this inaccessible tepui that you know it's right. like a hundred square miles or something, right? And it's surrounded by huge walls. It's like a mesa. Oh yeah, it's, it's not like a walk up. No. Okay. Um, th- but the section we were on is a section that's cut off 
um, from the rest of the Tepui by you know an, a 500 foot cliff. It's it's set down about oh, 500 okay. feet, so it's okay. not as tall as the rest of it. Right, and so it's 100 percent completely cut off. And so the we took pictures of a lot of the plants up there, mm-hmm. and then I cross referenced those with some um, of the super rare. Uh, a species of plants that only exist on top of tepuis, and we saw some of these super rare fly carnivorous plants. Wow, they have so cool! Wow, yeah. that's incredible. That's like otherworldly for sure. Mm-hmm. And you guys, everybody, everybody made it back, all right? Yeah, yeah, and everything just it ended up working out awesome. Uh-huh. We kind of we were starving almost the whole time. We were really right. hungry, and so we all kind of like lost weight and stuff. But other than that, it was mm-hmm. great. And Venezuela treated you right. In terms of the people and everything else, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy who fixed everything for us, this guy Peter, uh-huh. um, uh, he completely rolled us. You know, completely ripped us off, <laughs> which really sucked. You know, because he was completely taking care of us. Like he picked us up at the airport. Mm-hmm. Venezuela isn't. It's not one of those countries where you can just roll up, rent a car, and go find a hotel. You, you know, you'll be killed. <laughs> right. You'll be, Parts of it, yeah, for sure. You'll be mugged and, yeah, especially like Caracas and stuff. But we were in the city we were at, and he's like, oh, well, I'd rather not to have you, having you walk around at night. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's fine. And so we were staying at his place and everything. And at first he tells us, oh, it's going to be this much. And then we get back from the trip. And he's like, oh, but I told you it's going to be this much. And we're like, no, dude, you like I have it here on paper. I wrote it down how much you're charging us. And he's like, no, I've already told the pilot. I've already paid the pilot. You know, he right. pulled all this shit out of his ass. Right. And so he just rolled us for like a couple, a few extra Gs. It sucked. Huh. <laughs> At the end of the trip. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, that, I mean, you're kind of like. It's like, what is he going to like. The bait and switch. Kill you're kind of screwed. Put us in a dumpster right. somewhere in town. Yeah, no problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could have that. Ha- I mean, one call on the cell phone. Oh, yeah. He the could the, have the that police done. show up at his door. Every Friday night to pick up uh, their protection money. It's, just, it's so Jesus. corrupt. It's so bad. Uh, anyway, it's good expedition. So, well, let's uh, let me let me. I want to wrap up here pretty quick. But um, you got you guys just got back from a trip up to Proboscis, mm. where um, you crossed paths with my past. Oh yeah, yeah. We crossed <laughs> we crossed your path about a hundred times. You were zigzagging through it. What did you guys get up to up there? Yeah, um, that was a different sort of expedition. Everything just went perfectly. Right. Well, yeah, it just was, you guys we got went, perfect went with Warren, and, right? Yeah. Lafave. Yeah. Lafave. Yeah, that dude's awesome. Yeah. he's. You just put yourself in his hands and he makes uh, sure yeah. it all goes down. Yeah, we'd like we'd see him fly over in the helicopter every other day and we'd be like, oh, there's God. So, <laughs> so Proboscis is up in the Cirque of the Inclimables, Northwest Territory, right on the border of, uh, of the Yukon Territory. Um, and you guys went up there to try to do a free climb. Mm-hmm. And who was on your expedition? Uh, ben Ditto, who was taking pictures and also a complete bone crusher. His wife, Katie Lambert. Um, His uh, newlywed. Mm-hmm. Complete bone crusher. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friend Bronson Hovnanian, pro surfer, uh, but also a bone crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't recall there being a ton of surfing up there, but yeah, right on. <laughs> and then myself. Right It was the four of us. Uh-huh. And you guys went up there to try to do a free climb on Proboscis. Yeah, we really had no idea what we were, what we were getting into. We just knew well, we wanted to go up to the either the Cirque of the Unclimbables or Vampire Spires and decided to go to uh-huh. Mount Proboscis because it's kind of the biggest, baddest wall up there by mm-hmm. far, I think. And yeah, there's there's just this cherry line waiting for us up there. Well, I mean, I guess you guys had already climbed it sort of, but... <laughs> and, I mean, to be fair, we really... Uh, only shared maybe two pitches with you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious about that because we had talked about it recently. And um, so you guys ended up sort of just moving around in the face. What was going on up there? Uh, yeah, it was 100% crack, uh, face climbing. Uh-huh. It was incredible. Yeah, it was really cool because we had gone from Tuolumne. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben, Katie, and I had been climbing in Tuolumne all summer, you know, where it's all knob climbing. We get out there and the rock is is almost identical. Mm-hmm. I, if you took a picture, close-up picture of both the rock types, I couldn't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's just all these feldspar knobs. I remember all those knobs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like you're in aid climbing mode. That's what you're in. Yeah, you guys probably brought 400 copperheads or something. So yeah, we had a lot, you should of, probably those, use a lot of beaks and a lot of copperheads. And, I only had 10 and copperheads and I used so them Not so many all. bolts. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you guys didn't put many in either, though. Bolts. Yeah. Well, we put a few in. <laughs> you hear guess that it, super topo? Do you hear that? This is going to come out sooner or later, isn't it? <laughs> um, and we were pretty good about not putting bolts near right. the aid climb. Okay. On this one pitch, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really left with any choice. All right. Well, I don't have any problem with it, but uh, we'll, I think we'll, there was three right. on this one A four pitch. They're quarter inches, though. All right. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, we <laughs> only brought quarter inches, actually. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have any problem with it, but uh, my my partner Kevin Daniels that was up there, you may want to go chat with him. He sold it. us the bolts. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fixie. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, then we're all clear. <laughs> Well, what what about Epi or uh, your other? Yeah, he doesn't care. Okay. And and uh, and and um, Chris uh, Ryder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he's embroiled in his own bolting problem right now, so <laughs> oh, really? he's not going to have any. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> so as am I. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when this will come out. Hopefully, uh, it'll, hopefully it'll, the flare up will have died. Down, we haven't so. talked about your new route at all yet. Yeah. Chris. Well, we're not going to because by the time I put this out, it's going to be old news. Now, but you didn't put any of those bolts, and you just went free there, right? Exactly. But Hell you yeah. know, you clip them, that you own them. I yeah, I think there's probably some truth yeah. to that. Anyway, so we're going to hear about that down the line, though. This thing up in uh, up on Proboscis. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys end up calling it? At dawn we ride. <laughs> we were going to call it uh, proboscuous at first, like one root and multiple partners. <laughs> at dawn we ride. Yeah, I thought that was badass. I'd been screaming it around Camp 4 earlier that? that year. Okay. At dawn we ride. Is it from like Game of Thrones or something? Where did you come up with this? You know, I couldn't for the life of me remember where I came up with it. Mm. Well, it turns out, of course, I didn't come up with it. It was some... Uh, you know those like funny joke pictures people do on the internet where it's like a cat and it says like right. can I has a cheeseburger or something. Right. Well, this was one of those funny joke pictures on the internet where it's this baby with this really determined face in a swing holding up her fist, <clears throat> and it says at dawn we ride, and that's right. where I got it, I guess. Right on. Sort of subconsciously. Well done. And you guys end up freeing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twelve C. Nice. Actually, the. Um, the crux pitch is kind of it was kind of a cool it was kind of a cool day. Uh, Bronson and I top the root out. We finish it. We we didn't bring any port we didn't bring any portal edges or anything. So we kind of like fixed lines up the first half of the wall, and then after that it looked like climbing was easier. So Bronson and I um, do a big push and top the wall out and finish it. Summit get down um, take a rest day. Next day Ben's like, all right, we're getting up at four in the morning so we can go shoot the. The last two pitches, we need to red point. And Bronson are like, uh, no, dude, we're not getting up at four. <laughs> it's like the weather's perfect. We'll just get up whenever. Right. He talks us into it, though, and we get and up. And plus, it, it, it's daylight all day. Yeah. Right. It's daylight there's no, There's no darkness. At Although we point. were there into September. It was kind of like a little bit late. starting to get, what, a couple hours of darkness? Oh, it was, it was getting dark. Oh, know, okay. Like nine. Yeah. yeah well, all right. Yeah, it was like all the leaves were changing. It was fully oh, okay. fall and snowing oh, wow. and stuff. Um, anyways, we get up at four in the morning. And we're like, oh, this is so dumb just to go shoot some stupid pictures. We get up there. I red point this first pitch that I hadn't sent yet. And Ben takes these amazing pictures. And then I'm setting up to start uh, top roping on the, the final pitch, which we know is going to be the crux. It's about 180 feet long, uh, dead vertical, just you know, micro crimping and stuff. And um, about to start top roping this pitch, and all of a sudden, uh, these clouds start pouring over the top of the cliff. And the way the wind blows there, you can't really see the how the weather's moving in. And then we look off the horizon to the side of the wall, and we start to see that there's this major system moving, and we're like, "Oh Christ, a storm's coming in!" So I start top roping this pitch, and at this point, it's fully cloudy and starting to get really dark and windy. I lower back down. I've sort of worked the moves out. And it just starts dumping snow, like oh god, you know it could. This could be like the closing, the season closer. So I'm just like fuck it, I'm just gonna go for it. And so I start up the pitch, leading. I've got all most of the gear in place, so it wasn't really that high commitment, I guess. But uh, I start climbing up, up the pitch, and I look at my fingertips, and they're soaked through because the 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 wall's gotten warmed up from the sun. Mm-hmm. I'm just like fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. 
<laughs> Don we ride. Don we ride. Yeah, I write it. So the name really came into into play at the on the final day on the route. So I just I just keep going up the pitch, you know, crimp by crimp. I get into the crux, execute it. I'm like, oh man, it could go down. And then I just finish it up and send it. And nice. I was like, oh man, in the snow. Yeah, and in in my like shoes and hands were soaked. I was so so psyched. Nice. Yeah, it was great. Way to go, man. And not to toot my own horn or anything. Right, I know. But then you didn't go to the top. Uh, we had already been to the top. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Come on. <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> hey, we went ground up. <laughs> At least we did that. We didn't We didn't rap bolt it. We didn't do it in one continuous push. <laughs> no. The only reason I say that is because you missed like, the most awesome... Summit register of all time, dude. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we didn't go to the the proper summit when we topped out. The proper summit of the mountain. I know. Like, Bronson and I got up there. We got... Well, if it was storming, I forgive you. No, the day we topped out was completely bluebird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kind of looked up there. We're like, oh, I guess you could, like, traverse the ridge a bit and it'd be, like, 100 feet higher. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we're right here. I mean, this is the top, you know. Oh man, there's a register. Yeah, up there. You, fuck you, dude. Pristine, and it has Layton Core and Core oh, Robbins. God damn it. Oh, uh, Jim McCarthy. Fuck. And Dick McCracken, one of the most unfortunate climbing names of all time. <laughs> yeah, but those guys were so sick. They hiked from the road. They hiked from Tungsten. What? Those guys hiked ten days from the nearest road. Is what I heard. Are you shitting me? To get me? to the base, yeah. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, no, I actually haven't really had any verified evidence of that, but that's what someone was telling me. All right. And then they put up like a bitch in A4. Yeah, no, it's- yeah, Which we uh, actually, Ben and Katie repeated. Oh, right on. I, Bronson and I repeated half of it, but then Kate, Ben and Katie free, free climbed that route. Nice. So what's going on uh, with you right now, and what do you think uh, is on the plate? Not too much right now. Just hanging out in Moab, trying to finish up. Some unfinished business that there always seems to be around here. Right. So much new stuff to do. Got that little little rock climbing project in Salt Lake. Then, yeah, I'll just, you know, be laying low for the winter, which I'm kind of excited about. Laying low? You can't lay low. Well, you know, it's relative, I guess. I guess right. um, what I mean by that is that I'm not going to fester and starve in the jungles of Venezuela right, or go right. get hypothermic in Patagonia. You don't have any plane tickets? Nope. No. No. Why might not? go to Scandinavia or something in the spring, but uh-huh. might go to might go to the Arctic uh, next summer. Something cool like that. Right on. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, listen, um, we've we've broken into an hour, so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. But I really I really appreciate you sitting down with me and um, thanks for having me on the show. And I'll tell you, I appreciate your uh, like I like I kind of hinted at earlier in the show, like allowing me to kind of like move into your little crew down there in the last few years in, in Indian Creek was really inspiring to me. I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but <laughs> but it actually made me want to climb harder to hang nice, around dude. with you guys. That's cool. And uh, I'm going to close with that one last little story of climbing with you and Brad and uh, up on the winter takes all. Uh, it was a great day. We had this day where um, we had decided to go find this crag. <laughs> well, that was the day before that we decided oh, to go yeah, find it, elusive. but we never did. <laughs> but anyway, we um, there's a what's called a 13 minus in, in Indian Creek called winter takes all that's all by itself up on a wall. That's kind of rarely visited. And Mason and I, and uh, Brad Gobright, the guy he's been climbing on the heart with, uh, went up there and found the crack, nice little finger crack. And, uh, there was some kind of scabby warm ups next to it. And we decided to blow them off. And it was about, I don't know, probably like 10 in the morning and Mason on sites, the thing. And then, I managed to flash it, and then Brad, fighting with bloody <laughs> bloody tips, manages to flash it as well, and uh, we just called it a day. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming down, and we started finding all those petroglyphs down on, oh, on that yeah. second bench. On that big tombstone rock. Yeah, and, we, and I just suddenly had this impression of like a snow day from school. 
<laughs> we had done what we'd come to do. Now we just got to kind of romp around. We started bouldering on the boulders in our in yeah, our the five mushroom, and stuff. Mushroom yeah. boulder. Just that feeling of being inspired to climb as hard as I could with you two was pretty awesome after so many years in the desert. So I really appreciate that. I wish you all the best, Mason, as you're sort of trying to fire up the uh, climbing world. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, I wish you the best as well. Right on. Thanks. Alrighty then. Thanks for listening, everybody. As you can tell, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Mason Earl. I just think he embodies a lot of what's good about climbing, a sense of adventure, sort of a reverence for what's come before, but uh, still a vision for climbing hard in the future. He's not afraid to uh, clip some bolts or do what needs to be done to get a climb done. So, yeah, I think he's a cool kid. Anyhow, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at chris at enormacast.com or go to the website and leave some comments. I do appreciate y'all listening. And as you're getting after it in the waning days of fall, as winter is looming, please don't forget to check your knot. Come far, Pilgrim. See this like before. Were it worth the trouble? Huh? What trouble?